0: Hey, hello. You're listening to Sharif El-Shazli from Kula Collective uh, with another edition of Kula Talks. Today, I'm joined by Michael and Matt from Village Cuts. Hello. Hey. Hey, it's been a long time coming that we've been talking to try and get you guys on as a guest. but I'm really glad that we finally found the time. Likewise. And the synergies came there, so it's yeah, nice. Yeah. So really, can you explain in a nutshell what Village Cuts is?
1: Yeah, so uh, so we do a few things. We're DJs. Uh, We're music producers and we run events, co-run festival stages. There's probably other stuff, but yeah, essentially that's it. Yeah, and the kind of music that we work in is predominantly club music. Uh, We work with a lot of artists from um, African countries or Latin America and that kind of sort of has its influence on the sort of um, stuff that we do. Um, And yeah, always trying to collaborate with people and explore spaces that we haven't necessarily heard much music in um that's our kind of aim yeah okay amazing
0: and i think it makes sense just to start at the beginning as well so how long has village Clubs been going on for how did you guys meet
2: uh, i th- i think it's probably over the 5 year mark now yeah yeah maybe yeah. 5 years i it's mean consistency <laughs> yeah <laughs> we've i mean we've known each other for a long time we went to the same college in somerset and then both studied on the same course uh music course in london uh and then yeah started doing different events and and village cut started once we'd graduated and we're doing different part-time jobs and just kind of wanted to get a party going really
0: mm-hmm. yeah Was there anything about somerset or studying in london where that kick-started this musical inspiration
1: kind i of think it, um music being based in Somerset, there's uh, there's obviously Glastonbury Festival, which is quite a big influence on anyone doing music stuff. And um, we were quite sort of, by association, quite close with the festival and then ended up um, sort of helping out at one of the stages there, which we still do. Uh, shout out Babylon Uprising. And um, yeah, and then so it was kind of natural to get into kind of like club music because of this sort of sound system culture that sort of permeated around. Um, and as well as studying music technology at college, like Mike said. Um, so, yeah, and then once we moved to London and we sort of had that as a as sort of a basis, then we discovered all these other sounds and got influenced by new things, met new people and started collaborating. And then uh, eventually that all funneled down to what we're doing now. But along the road to get here, it's kind of been, you know, we were making Garage and Dubstep and all other genres and kind of found our feet with this and stuck with it for five years like you say (laughs) yeah so you could say it started with production mainly
2: yeah i think so yeah i think it did yeah because when we were studying music tech we'd end up making tunes together and yeah it was a lot of more kind of garage influence stuff then um but yeah i think it started with the beats and then once we started going out to more events in london you just kind of there's so much to take in and be inspired by so it took us a while i mean we're still on a journey, really, of trying to work out what it is that we're doing. I, I guess it changes and evolves. The more you do, and the more influences you get, and so yeah, we're still we're still trying to tell that story and work out what that story is, like through the sound. Um, but yeah, it's all part of the process.
0: And garage is making a big comeback. I mean, like, there's a lot of um, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of labels that are pushing out this kind of minimal garage sound, and like, there's, it's it's really coming back. So, are, are you guys? Influenced by garage still, would you say?
1: Yeah, actually um, Yeah, we've got a few garage beats (laughs) uh, on the back burner, you've got them coming. (laughs) Yeah. But it's cool because it's now it's like coming around after sort of exploring all this other stuff, you you end up finding that other sounds that you've been influenced by um are all kind of feeding into this thing. So even though, you know, we're working on garage, it's nothing like the old stuff that we used to be doing. And even within garage, like, you know, you think of it as quite sort of a narrow set of of um of principles in terms of like the beat and what and the speed or whatever but there's so much that you can do just with that so it's cool to play around with it and explore different things
0: mm. i would say a lot of your sound as well incorporates um kind of african influences and latin influences with that uk underground kind of wobbly bass yeah kind of sound.
2: Yeah, yeah i mean that's where we like matt said where we started going to raves in the countryside and uh, partying in Bristol and kind of getting immersed in the UK's kind of club culture and those kind of sounds which, like you said, are kind of finding their way back into our thing now. Hmm. And and where did the
0: African influence and the Latin influence really come from? Was there a specific moment or that you guys thought that that was a sound you wanted to move forward with?
1: I, I remember like when we first moved to London, um, uh, there's a couple of things actually. Firstly, one of our mates, who's um, she has some family ties to um, some of the guys working with um, Africa Express, which is like the <clears throat> kind of like Damon Albarn and and other artists um, doing a project in a few different African countries. There's a there's a few CDs out. There's like a oh, CD sounds so old, but it, at the <laughs> time it was a CD that she gave me, and um, yeah, just discovered all of this this new sound, and, and at the same sort of time, we both started, me and Mike started working on a, a vinyl and CD record store on uh, Portobello Road on the market, and um, there was like a really cool collection of stuff there, and you know, just standing there all day and just playing stuff on the speakers and just, yeah, just discovering it all, and, and I think that kind of, you know, lit up a few light bulbs, and then, yeah, just kind of ended up, Meeting loads of friends that you know, some Congolese mates or whatever it was, yeah, Kenyan mates, and started collaborating. And eventually, it just, yeah, it just became it just, yeah, it was kind of a normal sort of like a um natural sort of process, really. We didn't really think too much of it, it just ended up here.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you think there was a big uh, representation of those communities in the London night scene before that? Or? Um,
1: before that, I mean, I, I. Yes, we weren't really that participating that much at that time in creating events and stuff. So um yeah, the events came a little bit later. Um, so the events, yeah, it's probably about five years. Like when we got into all this stuff, it's probably about 10 years ago. And then at the time of doing the nights, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely grown a lot over the past five years. And even just in that small space of, of time, I think there's a lot more people are looking to balanced lineups a lot more um, than they were, which is obviously great. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you think.
2: Yeah, I think, well, it's kind of as much as you immerse yourself in those kind of spaces and those sort of events, I think there's always been a lot of events going on that I didn't know about and still I'm yet to discover. I mean, there's, but by all means, there's still a lot of opportunity to keep that expanding. Those sort of sounds in London, I think it's still, it's a lot better than it used to be, but I'm still, yeah, I still feel like there's room for, for more parties.
1: There's a lot like, if you take the London Latin scene, um, for instance, there's a kind of a movement of knights, like, you know, like what Bush Baby and Papa all are doing.
2: Yeah. Building
1: epoca and they're kind of um, trying to create sort of a, a Latin club scene that's a bit more... Um, <clears throat> For a certain type of people, there's loads of Latin nights that go on, for instance, in Elephant and Castle and all that, but there's a lot of kind of... They're, they're run by Latin people for Latin people, and they're kind of slightly closed off from, from the outside um, community. But, uh, yeah, so I, I, there's there's a few people that are sort of looking to sort of in, integrate things a little bit more. And, um, yeah, those guys are doing great things. Go and follow Epoca.
2: Yeah, I think it's, it's important that as these nights... Develop, I think this. There's more nights that are bringing outside people into these kind of cultures and making it more universal dance floor. I mean, another example is the Baile London nights, Emily Dust and Mango Park, and they're they're kind of bridging all of these influences with club culture, UK club culture, with Brazilian Baile Funk culture, and it's it's really exciting to see how they bring in all these different inspirations and it's kind of similar to what i hope we can achieve with our events is just having everybody dancing to the same beat whether they know it from years ago whether it's a completely new sound it's kind of creating a space where you can be open-minded and respectful and attract those kind of people so so yeah, I think it's. I'm optimistic about the future.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think that's a really kind of beautiful thing, and I think being a promoter is so nice as well because it gives you the opportunity to create those spaces, create those memories, and I think that's what mm-hmm. keeps us going. Because I think if you don't have that element, it's just a bit shit, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> exactly. And why would you? Because it's it's not easy all the time, and and for me, often as long as the right people are there and the right connections are made, sometimes that's all that's really needed for me to come away after that night feeling like, okay, that was good. Like mm-hmm. at least something was yeah. my direction. Yeah. Yeah, I
1: think also after the, you know, the last few years where everyone's been shut off, that kind of thing's so much more important than it's ever been. It's like bringing people together and, and just creating memories together because, you know, there's a lot of things in life that are trying to, you know, isolate people, like, you know, social media. Essentially, it's supposed to bring people together, but it kind of does the opposite. So putting on <clears> nights in real spaces um, with real people, like, you know, there's loads of people. You come away from a night and you've met loads of friends or you've linked up with other people in the scene that you've, you know, you kind of rub shoulders with on Instagram and then you finally get to meet in person. and And like, there's loads of people that technically we've only met them once, but we feel like we're like, brothers and sisters because we've had such an amazing time on the dance floor together so
2: yeah I think like community like the word community has been kind of used a lot recently (laughs) it seems like it's kind of branded around a lot but in this age we're in now of digital adverts and social media I feel like the community is the most important thing that feeling you get when you go to a night and and you go to the same sort of nights these scenes that naturally emerge and i think before social media or whatever they probably it probably happened a lot more frequently because of the necessity to go to certain nights but now i think it's more important than ever to have that sense of attachment to a certain vibe or a certain crew or a certain sound and it kind of it's easy to forget how organic these things can grow when you actually just start going out and seeing the same people and i think it's such a important part of the whole Mm-hmm. nightlife experience, really.
0: And how important would you say space is for that to happen? Like, you know, there are a lot of community spaces, but there's sometimes there's not really the atmosphere where people can mis- mix in the right way. Like, how important is that to you
1: guys? Yeah, I mean, I think it's crucial. Like, I mean, a venue really sort of carries a spirit and um, kind of a <clears throat> an ethos. At least they should do if they're doing it well. And um, so you obviously want to find somewhere... For your own events that, that kind of tick the same boxes that you're looking for. Um, and, mm. it, and it comes even down to like the security that are outside. There's a lot of places that say, yeah, we're a safe space, but then they've got really aggressive security outside. And it's mm. like, that's the front of your venue. That's kind of like the. But it's that first impression image. you get, yeah.
2: you know, when you walk into a space. I mean, it's, I'm sure we've all met lots of dickhead bouncers in our time, <laughs> yeah. but when, you, when you're greeted by someone who's not a dickhead, it sets you on a good path to, like, enjoy yourself.
1: Yeah, and, like, it's, it's bad to say, really, like, it's a shame that you really notice the difference if someone's really nice on security. You're really like, ah, oh, okay, like, it feels really refreshing because, mm-hmm. um you know, often you might be used to them being a bit aloof. But um But, yeah, I think it's really important finding somewhere that, you know, you can feel safe in and that is open to anybody, anybody coming in and everyone has sort of a an equal passage to feel comfortable in there. Um, and I think it's something that London doesn't have, you know, it's not in the best state for that sort of thing yeah. at the moment. But, you know, hopefully we'll uh, that will sort of level out at some point.
2: But, um, yeah, I think, I mean, even in the short space of time that we have been around here, it's just seen so many of these small clubs, small venues all go and... Yeah, I'm trying to think of something optimistic to say about the state. <laughs> I was thinking that like, <laughs> I was like, well, "What can I say that actually is is not really fucking depressing?" Well, but. there's
1: always like there's always people that are gonna you know search for these things out. So people are quite resilient, especially party goers are very resilient. So we'll obviously you know even people if will always we'll party go a bit further yeah. out of town and yeah, you know, so be it.
2: Yeah, I think community venues is probably the most inspiring thing around and the the idea of community led venues is probably our best chance of still having really good parties mm. I think like the Jago down the road is a great example yeah and uh the new one in Lewisham Lush, uh, that's going system midnight oh yeah um I'm really excited about that Yeah, I'm really mm. excited about that too so yeah this I'm not saying there's no venues but I think community whether that's through parties promoters mm. collectives venues that's kind of our best chance of Mm. keeping the fire burning really
1: one thing that is positive is that I think people in this day and age are not going to put up with any shit from from venue owners in any sense so people are calling them out so the standards are are changing for what we're going to accept as you know we're coming to your venue you know that safety thing again and yeah I think you know there's been a few cases recently where um venue owners have sort of had to kind of t- take a bit of a, had to check themselves a little bit because, you know, people called them out for certain thing and it's it's positive because it just means that that kind of stuff's not going to slide in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, staying optimistic about the future for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I think a lot of these spaces though are pressured by a lot of the regulations and a lot of the rules that happen. Like, mm-hmm. I know the Jago, they've had to kind of change their policy and be a little bit more strict with people outside because of noise, because, you know, it's all because of this this closing in on residential areas yeah. and changes into the what venues can actually do and offer mm-hmm. so I, I i get the challenge but you're right i also remain optimistic because mm-hmm. there are a few people that are trying to create this change and are mm-hmm. very aware of it mm-hmm. and also other places in the country like you mentioned somerset and bristol but you know i used to live in in manchester for a long time mm-hmm. and would pop pop over to leeds quite a lot and those scenes had some really nice uh, things going on. Like yeah, some really nice bounces and and also some decay bounces as well. <laughs> but there were also these nice collectives and creative spaces that were opening, that used to be something completely different and now mm-hmm. it was just repurposed into something really inclusive and, mm-hmm. and
1: beautiful. Really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's quite a sort of a, a like a, a push to become less London London centric because obviously, yeah. you know, we we live here and there's a lot here, and you you don't always find sort of the necessity to go elsewhere, but, you know, I, we love partying in Leeds and Bristol and wherever, Brighton, so, um, yeah, it's nice to travel around, there's a lot of, yeah, as you say, Leeds is like, such a fun city, there's um, yeah, I don't know if you know the Bazooka guys, I think we're shouting out all our mates on there. Yeah, <laughs> shouting them
2: out. yeah, but they <laughs> run
1: an amazing party there called Bazooka, um, Wicked producers and DJs as well, so, yeah, got another one to go and check out, Yeah.
0: Okay, so so does DJing take you across the country then?
1: Yeah, a little bit. I mean, um, there's, you know, with festival season, you're always kind of dipping around, but Mm -hmm. a few club nights and stuff, yeah, Leeds, Bristol. um, Still a lot to cover, actually, yeah. Manchester, we want to play there. Yeah, Uh, yeah, maybe you can link us up.
0: Yeah, there's there's a couple of really good grassroots festivals there. Green Island Festival, I'm going to shout out Green Island Festival now, why not? (laughs) (laughs) Stefan and George that run that. That's a really good vibe. They 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 always bring amazing people. They had K.O.G. last year. They've got um, Electric Jalaba, so Simo playing and BCUC last year as well. They mm-hmm. had a lot of really good artists, and cool. it's all in this community garden center. And uh, let me uh, awesome. let yeah, them yeah, know about life. you guys. Please, yeah. <laughs> I'll put them on the yeah. radar.
2: I um, saw BCUC at a festival last year, and it blew my mind. It's like yeah. the most the most energy I've ever seen. Yeah, ever. Fun. It yeah. was crazy. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Great so let's also talk about the night so you guys as promoters so I like to see you as, well, as DJs and producers that there's a lot of overlap but they also kind of three different headspaces to mm. be in and they mm. require different skills and you know you can be a DJ with a big following and connections but then you know the organization side of running a night and putting all the pieces together is, is a completely different skill
2: mm-hmm.
0: so h- how has the night evolved and, and when did you really start to
2: bring in promoting into your kind of producing and DJing careers? Well, I mean, maybe it's best to, to go into where it started. And we we didn't really know what we were doing. Like, we'd put on parties and events with different different friends in the past, but we just really getting into this music and DJing. And we kind of started by having a, essentially a, a DJ set in, like, pubs and stuff and then calling it a free-entry event and inviting everyone we could speak to and just begging all of our friends and family saying look come come mm. to this new <laughs> yeah, there's event there's a lot of begging <laughs> <in> the <holidays. laughs> and then it kind of works, though, yeah, it really? works yeah it, it works, works. Few times. Yeah, yeah. yeah and then after a few of those we we used the the very small fee from from these venues to to book a DJ that we really like and then I'll just remember the the, f- the first time we booked someone I think it was was it Volta 45 the mm. first time and mm. uh and the old blue last in shoreditch and the fe i'd never forget that feeling of like we'd n- we had no kind of thoughts about making money or selling tickets it's a free event we just were just so excited and felt so kind of inspired that people came to it the next day i just remember feeling just so kind uh-huh. of high on it it was like a really amazing feeling and yeah it was just booking one person who we really like and just inviting everybody as a free event and slowly built our community that's outside of the friends that you asking to come and people that actually kind of gain an interest in what you're doing but yeah it wasn't necessarily we didn't start with a kind of business plan or anything like that it was just we really want to play this music and we want to book people and then as that developed it kind of Start saving up some money from other DJ gigs, and then putting it all into events, and actually kind of hiring venues and booking DJs, and learning about promotion and marketing. And it's it's kind of grown like that, and not in a maybe a conventional sense or with enough strategy, but like we've ended up ended up still here. So mm. yeah, yeah, I think it's it
1: teaches you a lot of lessons, like you know the the whole sort of navigating the promotion side of things is such a beast to learn, isn't it? Especially as it keeps changing. Like every time you do a party, it seems like there's new, like there's a new sort of optimum way of promoting it. And so, you know, we, we were doing sort of Facebook events and stuff, you know, when that was a thing, when you'd invite all your mates to, to a Facebook event page and then had to rethink it to sort of like the Instagram world. And, but we never stopped you know, just doing the analog way of printing out a poster and you know sticking sticking them up around town' Because it's also just quite nice to you still get that little internal buzz of just like seeing your poster up on like a lamppost or yeah or, yeah, yeah so I mean, I don't know it's um yeah the the event side of things is also like just learning how to how to try and break even. Mm-hmm. And it's never me personally. It was never something I was thinking about before that. I was just like, you know, I de- But you know, running as sort of a bit of a business, you know, it's it's a bit of a, you know, it's a lesson. And um, Mike's a lot better at that than I am. Well, the kind of business skills.
2: It's we have different like strengths or whatever. But it's 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 every time you do an event, you're taking a certain level of risk and trying to minimize risk, but also do something really exciting. And yeah, I mean, we, our events have been quite ad hoc and just not, not as frequent as we'd like, but, but still hopefully I think each one has been like a really special one. So yeah, it's, it's a risk and it's a gamble. And then you, we then got to the stage of work with other venues, kind of programming the night with the venue, which takes some of that financial risk out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like a the kind of side, it's like a different branch of organizing events and that's that's really cool um but yeah it's taking measured risks and and just hoping for the best really and just i think when when you're running a party you just it's kind of it's quite an obsessive almost thing it's like, i i mean i just can't stop thinking about it all the time and like it, that can be quite a toxic thing you know like checking <laughs> ticket sales or like to always trying to to keep it moving and keep it growing but I think that's it's that sort of passion that does usually make them work out all right in the end.
0: Has it got easier as as has gone on? It in that headspace of
2: checking uh, ticket sales all the
0: time and yeah,
2: I guess so. But I think as we've grown, the kind of we're putting it's more it's becoming more of a risk. You're investing more, and you want to book bigger artists. And mm. I mean, yeah, there's there is something to say for keeping a kind of certain limit to kind of how much of a, a risk you take. Not that you can grow them without that. I think that's I quite en- enjoy the idea of going back to really small spaces and, and just doing like really small raves. But mm. yeah, I think it's I do, I do think it does get better as you get familiar with those kind of feelings, but that excitement and kind of obsession still still burns strong in me. <laughs> like, yeah.
1: We we've definitely never just done an event like sort of for the sake of it. Like We've always tried to put sort of a hundred percent of love and attention into all the events, and because um, but obviously you know it's not it's not our main thing. If I think if it was our main thing, then it might j- just be kind of trying to tick things over. But yeah, because we've kind of not done them super super regularly. When we've done one, we've just kind of you know put everything into it like you know even those early ones would be there setting up all the decorations <laughs> yeah creating all the uh like the visuals to like loop Brown on the wall
2: I remember when, I think it was our first or second event we used to go to these pub spaces and and just tape up all of these decorations and try and make try and transform these like kind of grungy more like rock venues in these pubs into something a bit more immersive and uh <laughs> I just remember one night where we'd we gone to set up and we'd, <laughs> yeah. we'd taped up all of these big, like, different kind of Pattern patterns and, and decor and bunting and all of these different stuff. And then we went out to get some dinner, like, we'll come back to the venue and it starts in an hour or two. And uh, the biggest lesson we learned was not to skimp costs on the tape that you buy. Everything
1: uh, <laughs> had fallen down. we oh, came back no. and just
2: everything had fallen off the walls. We were like, Oh shit,
1: okay.
0: Let's
2: <laughs> to put the decor back. But
0: Yeah, it's something that someone probably wouldn't tell you. You have to go through yeah. it to really oh, yeah. snap kids. Yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
2: if you're if you're listening to this to try and learn about or you're thinking about starting a night, invest mm. in the strongest tape.
1: Get to know T Rex tape. Yeah, T-Rex, 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 that's
2: the one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you probably Shout out T Rex tape. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Looking for a sponsorship. Yeah, yeah. You'd probably wax your legs with that stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of venues don't even allow you to like blue tack up, I they we be a bit particular about it. Um, so also like looking at you guys as a duo, how does that work? You said you have different skills, and you bring different things to the table. What would you say those those skills
1: are, and, and how's that helped you guys? I think, um, yeah, I don't know. We we've We've kind of um, sort of, I think now we're more close in our skills than we have been in the past. We've kind of, for a little point, we sort of verged off and Mike was doing a lot more of the events and stuff and I was doing a lot more like studio stuff. And then, um, and then, and well, to be fair, actually now Mike's doing a lot more DJing than I am generally, Um, but yeah I mean we kind of do the same sort of stuff really we've always kind of shared the load with things
2: Um, I think in a duo it's kind of about finding those balances and kind of without experimenting and without trying things you don't really know where certain strengths in a in a team are so Mm. over time we've kind of figured out different areas it's not as strict as having like titles or roles but we kind of it's worked quite fluidly now where we we know what we're doing and it would kind of meet in the middle with a lot of tasks and stuff. So I
1: think we also quite like both trying everything. Because mm-hmm. um, it's amazing, really, to think back on all the stuff that we've tried our hand at, and now you can kind of, you know, however many years later of doing it, just call it a skill. And it's, um, you know, even like the, you know, graphic design stuff that, like, never even used Photoshop before. And then it's like, right, well, we need a poster they start like dimming something up and then and then you know you move a bit further and start making artworks and stuff and so you know and then animations and videos and things so it's always nice to you know um to kind of explore working on different things so yeah I mean we'll always try and we never sort of do something completely in isolation we'll always come together and and we were living together for a while um which made it a lot more helpful. Yeah. Um, but now it's kind of like making the time, you know, in evenings or basically running things off WhatsApp. I don't know. We've tried like using... yeah. I need to
2: find some sort of workflow app or something because uh, WhatsApp is. We're currently running everything through just an immense amount of WhatsApp messages. I don't know what
1: people
0: use. Like, I know do there's like, do like hundreds you're... of different software. There are lots stuff, of different but... softwares, but I, I feel like those big softwares are. Made for like big teams, right? Yeah. Corporate, yeah. corporate teams, maybe co- like not always corporate but like agencies and mm. marketing. People use a lot of these. Well, there is one called like productive, but again, okay. that's like with you know, 10 people. We tried
1: like Slack for a little bit, and I yeah. say we tried Slack, we made a Slack, <laughs> we made a slack.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But
1: you know, what's WhatsApp's just you know, you're just on it all the time anyway, aren't you? So I guess it makes sense to have things there, but yeah, but um, and Google Sheets. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, Google, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Google Sheets. Yeah, that, that that would help.
0: I mean, it might be worth looking at. There are there are some free platforms that allow you to basically write more um, efficient notes, so you can categorise them. That's mm-hmm. quite a good way where you can have like notes, then you can separate that into different folders, and it kind of is a bit more of an uh, intuitive, visual way of viewing mm-hmm. all of your tasks and I tried to use that for a while and then I just found because it was mainly me putting in the tasks and having to do them I was just getting a bit annoyed at myself I was just like yeah. I don't want to do the tasks I just set myself I was kind of, <laughs> kind of rebelling yeah, against it, to see it. <laughs> <laughs> but then if there's a team of you or there's a few of you yeah, yeah, or yeah. even if you're working with other graphic designers or working with other people and you want to bring them in then it could be a good way mm-hmm. of, of doing it using a, a platform like that mm-hmm. but you know I think whatsapp if it's just YouTube might be good enough for now, which is how you categorise it yeah, and organise it.
1: Yeah. Organisation
0: yeah, is my biggest problem, I think, actually. Yeah, it's something to improve on. I
1: think, you know, we're all sort of creative people in certain senses. So, you know, there, there's obviously two sides of your brain and with creative people, you really got to think, turn on that strategic sort of pragmatic side of your brain. So, but yeah, mm. it's, we, um yeah, I mean, I think, we, yeah, we're quite proud of, you know, what we've done so far in terms of like the different things that we've done. And um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, like I said, it's good for, for people to just try a bit of everything. Cause even if you're a producer, you know, I think you've kind of got to be quite multifaceted nowadays. You've kind of got a, especially the promotion side of things. If you want people to, you know, clock onto what you're doing, then you need to up the social media game. And that's also a constant thing. I mean, Running the social media is like another full-time job, and I understand why business businesses will employ someone for it. That's another lesson we've learned. Really, is just um, trying to work out what works for Instagram, and now there's this whole TikTok world which we're sort of trying to get into as well, and just try and find a voice within that that sort of space that doesn't make us hate ourselves, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So it's a, it's a bit of a, a journey that we're still on. But so, you know, any tips, welcome. I don't know if you're on TikTok. Kind
0: of jumping on trends, yeah. I think with with TikTok and Instagram, it's all about whats what I've made the mistake of in the past is putting a video that I'm really passionate about or think mm. is really cool, but then realizing it's not really relevant for that time. Whereas if there is something in the news or something that's being talked about and you jump on that as a topic it tends to just do much better for engagement, Mm -hmm. and that's just the way the audience and the world works in that respect, which Mm is just something that I'm kind of, again, trying to be a bit resistant to, but I think it's also important to embrace that, and I Mm -hmm. think that's how you kind of get on it. And I also see promoters that are really good Mm -hmm. at jumping on trends of artists as well, um, which Sometimes can be good, but also can also feel a little bit like, okay, that was a bit too predictable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where there's a hype around a sound or a thing, and suddenly then, okay, we're going to do that thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas it doesn't really come from a place of pure inspiration, but yeah, comes yeah. from a place which which is just what's popular at the time. Yeah, yeah. Which, again, it, it works for, for a lot of people. I think I've tried to go against that, but has it actually helped? I'm not quite sure <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. when I think about
1: it. We're all on the journey, eh?
0: Yeah, we're all learning. And this is quite nice just to talk to other people doing great things because you kind of learn from other people and you kind of, you're in it together yeah, and totally. you realise when I, I'm actually the first feedback I got about your night, someone mentioned it, a friend called Shama, who's a guitarist, oh, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, played yeah. with Matondology mm. in the past mm. in a group of Likito and he was always like when i was explaining about my night like collective at the beginning and he was like oh, yeah you should check out village because like they've got you know it doesn't really matter who they put on they have a good crowd and they have like this it, it's more of like a party where people kind of go and they know each other and i just thought that was really oh, that's good How old was Sham, it? Sham? yeah yeah he's a killer it. guitarist as he well he's, so he's played
2: on a few of our records actually yeah
1: yeah because so. actually he we kind of got in touch on on facebook messenger because yeah he said that he came to one of our parties but we didn't meet him at the time we were like oh well, you were there and mm. then um started sending files i think that must have been over lockdown and, um yeah he's an amazing guitar player man also from kenya yeah but he
0: plays um, a lot of the Seben kind yeah, of yeah, yeah 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 he's yeah. really S- style guitar. like sort
1: of well studied in like rumba and east african music yeah yeah but
0: how, how do you take that feedback Is in is it is that is that one of your main intentions of the night its just to kind of have people come, not necessarily for the lineup, but for village cuts as an idea.
1: I think that's what everybody as a, as a promoter would dream for is because, you know, that it doesn't matter, you know, what the lineup is that you see the name and you're going to trust that it's good, or you're going to trust that you get a certain vibe and, or, you know, people that we want. not obviously, you know, as a promoter as well, you want people to come to all of your events because, you know, they just can't miss the next one, you know. yeah. So you, it's important to kind of try and build that, that vibe. And I don't know if it's such a conscious thing. I think it's just, you know, if you're doing something right, then that kind of happens. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's nice of Sham to say that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you guys are obviously with your nights, you've got that certain ethos that you're trying to push and you're also trying to use marketing as a way of promoting that obviously mm. but then what about promoting yourselves as DJs? How is, that, is there a big difference between that? Well, or? I
2: guess I mean more recently over the last well, few months most of this year we've kind of been trying to reposition what we're doing and how we're spending a lot of time so the events have kind of been a bit of a sidestep for now whilst we focus on developing our music and our kind of positioning as an artist in in the scene and it's it's always been something where we're making lots of music making lots of ideas but then always trying to throw the best parties so then the music kind of never really got finished and we're mm-hmm. so we're still working we've got an immense amount of demos that we are working on at the moment and just trying to explain what we do or kind of I, th- I think through sound and through a variety of sounds is probably the best way to, to kind of explain what we do I mean it's the same way when we would be telling people about the parties it's like you can give an uh, try and give an elevator pitch or you can give a 20 minute ex- explanation or it's much easier if someone just comes to the party and gets into the vibe and like it, you just feel, you kind of get the feeling for what it's about so I think we're tr- now trying to do that same thing with our music and have a lot more music out that kind of demonstrates how broad a lot of our influences are and how uh, how it kind of works in a club setting.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a few ways, obviously, as a, as a DJ, that you can um, sort of promote yourself. And if you are a producer as well, then that's obviously a great way to kind of sum up what people are going to, are gonna hear if they book you as a DJ, but then for people that aren't producers, then I guess yeah, it is quite important to to play the social media game or just keep your head above water. Just do everything like you know, do interviews like this or or radio shows, or um and also there's a lot to be said for just messaging people and being like, mm-hmm. I think I might be good for your night. This is what I do. This is this is one of my mixes and and just send people because, you know, it happens like it's happened to us and we've done it and we've seen it happen with other people where the timing might just be right and someone's looking for someone and they go, yep, cool. I mean, that works. Like uh, the sound sounds great and we've got something coming up. So, yeah, cool. Mm. And then you're just opening doors for yourself. So, yeah, I think there's something that feels quite uncomfortable the first few times you do it is asking for stuff, but... It really does pay off, and I don't think people mind it as much as you might assume that they would. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's something That's something as well for people who are wondering how to get more gigs, um, especially if you're not a producer. Um, yeah, just ask for stuff. I think that's, um, that's quite a good tactic. But, yeah, in, in terms of what Mike was saying about the, the sound of... Um, of what we do, we're always slightly, um, self-conscious about the fact that a lot of the music that we've put out kind of spreads thinly across quite a few different genres. And we'd like to think that there's a common thread that goes between them all, but it's just that thing as, as an artist, you don't necessarily, um, you don't necessarily see what other people see. So, um yeah, part of what we've been focusing on over the past few months is trying to hone in a little bit more on certain sounds. And it might be, you know, we're kind of in the process of grouping demos into different moods or different styles. And and then once we've got a few sort of things to draw upon, then we might, you know, look at how we can push a certain sound for a little while and try, to, try and be a little bit more um, digestible for potential promoters that were looking to book us because what you know what you kind of don't want um is for someone to book you and then you put out a tune that's completely random and they think what have i booked yeah um you know it's nice to be not so homogenous with stuff but i think it's good to consider it a little bit about how you're perceived if you want to get gigs
0: yeah, that is very true. I find, like, I play, like, sometimes on a couple of radio shows and I'll play completely different things. I don't really have a sound, but mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily pushing to get loads of gigs and do loads of DJing, but mm-hmm. I know that if I'm looking to book someone, I kind of want to listen to two or three mixes and have a good idea about what they're going to play. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, I do think you're right about, you know, Find, not pigeonholing yourself too much But finding your Sound Your groove Something either the, the, the the energy of your set It might be quite playful Or it might be quite dark And serious Like They're, mm-hmm. they're kind of like um, Vibes you get from a set That mm-hmm. are more like emotional Rather than yeah. just what you're playing I think but that's
2: I, Sorry I was just going to say I think music Is generally Going to move in that direction In the future I think Maybe down to how we Consume it Or through The different channels Or the different ways We, we, we listen to music I think a lot a lot of it's going to be more dependent on mood and curating moods and I was going to say the same thing yeah. really well with like playlisting and people will be you know going in saying alexa play this how how I'm feeling right now I think yeah. and the 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 dsp's and whatever will be kind of second guessing that and having all these moods ready for you so I think yeah I think you're right there having a kind of feel to it as opposed to just a technical description of the sound I think it's it's probably gonna be really important in the future.
0: Mm. I also think technically describing a sound is very difficult as well. Yeah. Like
2: it's just like friendly
1: and warm and yeah, it, yeah. you know also it's so subjective. You could say like it's bubbly and some people <laughs> might literally think, Oh, it's got loads of bubble sounds in it. <laughs> but to other people it's just, you know, jolly, happy, whatever, you know. Yeah. So um
0: I would say your sound is, is positive and um upbeat and uplifting in a lot of ways that's how I that was my experience because I mean I saw you guys play infinite amount of times at Glastonbury uh, yeah. this year I kept walking around and seeing you guys pop up in all, each corner so how was how was that experience you played like how many sets that yeah it was,
1: I mean it we're about five we're, we're quite um <clears throat> Glastonbury's that kind of place if you're there you know you you, you can kind of ask around especially if you've kind of like we've been to Glastonbury quite a few times because obviously, like I mentioned earlier, we sort of co-run the Babylon Uprising stage with some mates and um, help with the programming there. And um, and so, yeah, if you're quite well-rooted there and you know people, you can kind of ask around and whilst you're there, just try and get a few sets around site. Um, so we kind of did that and we we spent the last two Glastonbury's kind of taking that approach. It's just like, oh, let's, whilst we're here, let's try and get as many sets as we can. Cause it's just fun, you know, and like you meet again, meeting people in real life in a field and partying. It's just you know something, something nice about that. But yeah, it's great, man. Like Glastonbury is just another, another world, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, trying to explain to people that have never been, and um
2: yeah, so to... I mean, it's a real privilege to be able to have gone to Glastonbury that many times. I mean, mm-hmm. growing up in Somerset, it's quite a, it was a lot more normalised for people, like everyone's, like, oh, they're going. To the party, but I think now I've met a lot of people who have never been, and it's kind of makes me realize how lucky I am to not only go there, but to to perform there. And it's just, yeah, because it's, it's such a metropolis of different vibes.
0: Mm. Yeah, there's there's lots of different corners and little places and areas that have a very distinct uh, feeling and, mm. and design yeah. and everything. And mm. I think. I that was good as you covered a lot of those bases when you guys are playing, but you also had takeovers, so there's like yeah. Village Cuts takeover.
2: Yeah, the takeover last, this one that's just gone was amazing. Yeah, it was at Babylon Uprising on, on the Thursday when kind of the main stages aren't really open, so it's like, and everyone's just got in and they're just full of <laughs> energy, you know, it's like, they've set up their tents, they've cracked a can of cider and they've done ready to go for it you know so yeah yeah that was that was a mad one
1: yeah so just to just shout out some more people like jeremiah asayama um had him down for the takeover one of the best djs i've ever seen and yeah. and you know and all the others but but what's so nice about being there and doing the takeovers as well is just you know again it's another opportunity to meet up with people we might not have necessarily hung out with in real life or hung out with much and then just to watch sort of like the caliber of DJs, and you know you're always kind of there looking over their shoulder. Oh, how do they do that? Like, mm-hmm. It's a good place to learn. And I, every time I don't know about you, but I always feel so inspired coming back from Glastonbury because you're just you're just all encompassing sort of talent um, and just you know amazing tunes and um, just great experiences. So still kind of still kind of uh, feeling the the sort of euphoria from Glastonbury even a month or so later, mm. yeah. I think it's just festivals generally as well when there's a, co-
0: a collective feeling of of creativity and and expression, but then also, you know, you're in usually in nature and there's mm-hmm. that aspect of it and mm. kind of this, you get brought into this world for a few days and I think that's where really beautiful connections can happen and where you just become very inspired by different sounds. Like, it can be completely different kinds of music, like I've been to many small festivals uh, um, around Europe and stuff and they all have their own little Mm -hmm. vibe and I always come away feeling very inspired and very just Mm -hmm. just feeling like I want to create things and want to share things, Mm -hmm. you know?
1: I think that's something that's really powerful. It's always nice as well once you've, you might have discovered um, a tune in someone's set at Glastonbury and it's more than just finding it on YouTube or finding it on Spotify because you're having a real experience and you always hold on to those things like Yeah. You know, you d- you you might remember a tune, but you don't remember the experience of finding it necessarily when you're looking on your phone, but you remember hearing it for the first time really loud on some speakers in a field like with your mates. Yeah. So there's ah there's so much to be said for that. That's something
0: really special. Yeah. There's something that as you you mentioned a bit earlier with um kind of a bit of a tip about asking for things. Mm. I think when I when I've been to festivals or in certain event settings and there's and there's someone you know who is a dj or a producer or works in the industry in some way i think the best thing you can do as well is just try and you know find the courage to go and speak to them because i feel like this is also the best time when people would be most willing to, yeah, to yeah. chat and, say yeah. High yeah, yeah. and offer some 100%. advice and i think actually a lot of really amazing opportunities have come my way into people that i know from those little conversations in, in, in the back room of a club or in, mm. in a festival, you know, when everyone's on a very good vibe and they want to help each other. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's always a good thing to, to think about is actually if you see someone that you want to talk to or you think you need to talk to, just go talk to them when yeah. you're in that setting.
1: Yeah, and just generally, like, you know, people are nice. People people will sort of be receptive to it. Like, and if they're not, then they're probably not worth your time, really. Mm. So, um. Yeah, yeah, for for sure. There's so much to be said for just like, you know, going and approaching people, and it's something like, you know, I'm, I don't personally feel like I'm always the best at it. You might feel a bit like anxious about approaching someone, but, but yeah, it's always worth it when you do it, and you you never regret that sort of thing. Mm-hmm, definitely.
0: So kind of going back towards. Um... Your night and 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 kind of talking about. I want to talk a little bit about brand and 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 what what, what that means and whether you're what you're what you're kind of thinking about branding right now. Because is that something that you see as really really important and you're trying to define more?
2: Yeah, I think I think it's really important. There's a lot of branding is kind of it's definitely not something that we are expert at and something we just kind of figuring out along the way and I think it's always something to improve on but mm. it's, I think it's really really important for people to have a an idea of especially do, with our projects and with our music it's so kind of so many broad influences and I think it's if we're kind of confused about it then I can't expect people <laughs> to yeah, understand yeah. it so I think developing a brand that, or developing a, a, a style of branding that people can understand it's probably really important. That's something that we need to work on and keep refining, I think.
1: Yeah, it's good that you're bringing this up because uh, I think we're going to start giving ourselves points to work on here. But, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, you know when you this see like it. like therapy. <laughs> or... You know when you see it, like you opens up someone's Instagram or whatever and you, you're just hit by their essence. You know, just from looking at the way the grid looks, there might be similar colours or similar, like, even types of filters or whatever that's put over the videos or like sort of grading and, um, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot to be said for that, just instantly, you know, showing people this is who we are. But I think it's, again, you know, it's something that we've taken upon ourselves to try and figure out rather than have any sort of mentorship in in branding. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, and again, just chiseling away at that, you know, over time and working out, okay, maybe we should do that. And we've been talking about it over the last... Few weeks actually about ways to kind of um you know along with sort of the music just create a bit more of a solid definition as to what we are and what we're about
2: yeah i mean we're still figuring a lot of that out to be honest there's so much so many different styles of music that we love and how we're trying to incorporate that into the to the records and to tell those stories in their own way and kind of find out what those stories are and develop them because you can build something that you think is the story and then just completely kind of break it down and remake it and it's always never regret going through that process Mm. but it is time consuming and it's something where you have to really investigate every possible avenue before you get there but yeah we've been having a lot of those moments where it's like rediscovering what the story of that track or that vibe is and yeah it takes a while but I think it's worth putting the time in and just finding and developing it kind of Mm. the long way really
1: yeah I think there's um you know say if you're creating artworks or posters and you you don't really know where to start then just you know look at who who you want to be positioned alongside look and try and look for common threads between all of them and I remember t- doing that process, we had like kind of a list of of club nights or a list of DJs or producers, artists, whatever, and looked at all of the way that they brand themselves and um, <clears throat> try and look for commonalities that we could maybe draw upon for hours. And I remember going through a few different versions of like logos and stuff um, early on and even just sort of color choices for posters and stuff. And there is this kind of, and I don't know if this is just, you know, it's definitely subjective, but there is a certain, um, suitability between certain colors and certain sounds or tones. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, it's quite a, quite a wafty thing to think about, but I think if, if you're really looking to kind of solidify, solidify a brand, then those are definitely things to try and, you know, think about, um, But yeah, this, you know, all of what we're saying now is basically we need to work on this. (laughs) I I would actually argue that you're, you're pretty much there. Like, I kind of feel like I
0: got an essence after watching you Format, um, Glastonbury, and also just hearing about your nights and understanding more about what you guys are about. I think it is quite clear there is that through line, but it could always be refined, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think you guys are doing a good job. Thank you, mate. I you sometimes need that reassurance. Yeah, we just yeah, came yeah, here for some moral support, now. really. Yeah. Yeah. good um, and with the music as well like one one thing that I saw you document was a trip to Kenya, yes, Where you were able to actually record some music with some amazing artists yes, we we're super
2: lucky to have had that experience, and it's still we're still working on on the tracks now actually we we kind of that was in end of twenty twenty one we made a lot of these recordings, and we we were really ambitious with the projects and just kind of just went for it you know just recorded it as much as we could with a bunch of artists that we had some help kind of getting to know and, and organizing a load of different sessions when we're out there and like yeah now like I said just now we've been re-evaluating and rebuilding and getting something almost to a point of it feeling finished and then thinking hang on let's let's try something else with this is like I said it's a long it's a long time but we're really getting there somewhere with now uh, with these with these tunes and it's becoming quite a large body of work that we're just really excited to to finish um but yeah we're, we're super lucky to work with the talented people out there
1: yeah it was basically like we we were working remotely um for a little bit you know especially during the lockdown we kind of through friends of friends linked up with some musicians that were based in kenya and then we're sharing files and things for the internet and you can work that way. Um, But we just thought, you know, as soon as we were able to, after COVID COVID, stuff, then we, um, yeah, we just basically, we went out there um, to meet them in person and basically set up a studio residency for like a week and collaborated with loads of artists. You know, we had like four hour sessions with each one. So maybe two a day. And, um, and it was quite cool because we didn't know any of most of the artists that came through. We had never chatted before. It was kind of hooked up by a, a, a contact there, and um, so you know, only having four hours to kind of meet and greet, establish your mutual ground if there's any at all, and and work out how you were going to collaborate. And it was quite a,
2: something
1: from quite a, every a magical time. experience because you know, you you end up realizing that a lot. You know, for instance someone like Judith Buire, who we collaborated with, She's uh, she plays Nyatiti, which is like a folk instrument from Western Kenya. And it's, you know, it's really folkloric music. Um, but, you know, as long as you have an open mind, which, you know, thankfully she does. Um, yeah, we made like a really upbeat dance track with her. And, you know, she was really open to us kind of laying down beats and trying different things. So it's amazing to see how much, common ground you don't necessarily know that you have until you just start jamming
0: yeah
1: and um and for us now when we listen back to those sessions we really feel you know the energy that we had in the in the session when everyone's just up and about yeah. dancing
2: and i think it's the vibe of those sessions that now it's trying after we've re kind of rebuilt and refined these tracks we're still we're still kind of it's even though I listen to it and it still takes me back to those sessions, which is a while ago now. But it's that energy that just it, we were just so excited to be there and work with these with these amazing artists mm-hmm. that in that really short, we'd never really worked like that before, where you just put a mic up, like have a cup of coffee and chat, and then just go for it, just make something. And it, yeah, it was it was amazing.
1: The, the hardest thing really is like there's that whole thing of like you create 80% of the work in 20% of the time yeah. and you know and so most of the tracks were written within those four hours and then you know we're still here almost two years later just refining and refining yeah. and refining. <laughs> yeah. So it's hard to yeah. it's you know it is just the process but it's you can often beat yourself up like, you know, trying to finish things sooner or and one hard thing to do is just to you know um, there may be some days when you open up the project and you just you're not in the vibe and you can't really recapture the sort of the um that kind of perspective that you had when you mm. wrote it. So for me, I'll just shut the laptop and not go near it if I'm not in it. And then at some point, you know, the day might be right and you just flip it open and you're like, Yeah, I get it. Yeah. And you can feel yourself there again yeah. and that's the time to work on it.
0: And That's kind of why it's taken a while as well. Yeah, other than, you know, just stuff a coming day job in the way. You yeah.
1: Know, life gets in the way. But um but yeah, I mean, I think it is quite a normal thing we were saying earlier, you know, that's part of the process of a creative person is to you can't expect yourself to be in it every day. Mm-hmm. Some days you're not, you know, work on something else.
2: Yeah. Um, I do that when I if I'm trying to force something, it never really works. So I just Start making something brand new, which mm. doesn't help with the aim to finish more tracks. It just <laughs> creates a bigger pile. But but as long as you know part of the process. As long
1: as you you like, cons- you're you're still you still might learn something from even the working through the times when you're feeling really uninspired because you know you might make something not really being it oh, that was rubbish. Open it up again a month later and suddenly you hear something new based on yeah. new knowledge or you know whatever it is. Um, or a new reference point and you yeah and then suddenly you've got something so it's definitely worth just you know powering through it but but trying to recapture that vibe is definitely difficult sometimes um but yeah I've been thinking a lot recently about you know the kind of stages in the day and you know what doing assigning certain tasks for different times of the day like I don't know about you but in the morning I'm way more sort of yeah pragmatic and have a bit more structure yeah and then you late at night get a bit more creative i don't know why it's just like it's that way so finding you your can routines. kind of play yeah. into that and and do your best work at different times of the day and i think identifying that about your workflow is quite important
0: mm. and is this music coming soon is
2: this something you're having i you hope lose? so yeah, yeah. we're lo- looking to get this, this record out Hopefully by the end of the year. I don't want to say anything on record. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's not put can... nah, today, but it's coming. It. Doing, it's, coming. It. it's coming. It it's coming. Yeah, it just...
0: Once you say it, it's got to happen,
2: right? Yeah, well, I yeah, said it a few times.
1: <laughs> no, a lot of it, a lot of it is, but... like, very
2: close to done. It just... Yeah. It and to... also, we've got so many... So it's like so many other new sounds that we're working on, and then it's kind of like you get ahead of yourself and you start working on these new projects, and then it, it's can be easy to not neglect but to then kind of mentally move on from something but i feel like you have to you have to pay respect to the time effort and energy that you've already put into something now we've managed to come back around and with all this new knowledge and new ideas to to finish it and it's um it's actually it's not it doesn't really feel like a chore it's kind of a really exciting time again when we're in the studio for for this project so yeah, you'll be the first to you'll be the first <laughs> to help us celebrate. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: Thanks, guys. Well, Matt and Michael, thank you so much for giving your time today. Yeah, uh, thank thanks you. so much for having us. It's been really interesting to hear about all the different things that you're up to. It sounds like you guys are busy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's trying to find a balance, as I say, between work and and doing this stuff. But um, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, and uh, you f-
0: you said you were feeling optimistic before about a few things. You're feeling optimistic about this project, about more Village yeah. Cuts
2: nights to come. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, we'll be getting the club nights back towards the end of the year and hopefully some more music. So, yeah.
1: And how do we follow you if you want to find out some more information? So, Instagram uh, at villagecuts.ldn. Um, that same handle for numerous things. SoundCloud, if you want to check them out, it's just Village Cuts at Village Cuts. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Instagram is the place that we keep people up to date mostly, so go and check us there. And, and yeah, when, when we're about in town, come and say hello, come to DJ sets, come to the nights, and, yeah.
0: You've got you to plug. You got yeah, it. yeah,
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you, everyone, for listening. It's been another episode of Cooler Talks uh, with myself, the host, Sharif, and we'll be back again soon, so take it easy.